This is AgriPulse Open Mic, sponsored by NCIS, National Crop Insurance. With increasing commodity prices, higher price volatility, and rising input costs, America's farmers and ranchers are relying on crop insurance more now than ever before to provide individualized protection and to secure operating loans. Protecting 256 million acres of farmland and 350 commodities across the U.S., crop insurance is the primary safety net for many farmers, enabling them to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. Crop insurance, providing peace of mind now and for the next generation of agriculture. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Jim Sutter, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Thank you, Ken. I'm uh, happy to be here. Tell me about the U.S. Soybean Export Council or Federation. What is the make of it, and how is it connected to the American Soybean Association and the United Soybean Board? The U.S. Soybean Export Council is the international marketing implementation arm, if you will. That's sort of a mouthful. But we do the international marketing for the United Soybean Board, for the National Checkoff, and for the ASA, who is the cooperator of record with the Foreign Agricultural Service. So USB funds international marketing activities with checkoff dollars. ASA and ourselves works with FAS and applies for funding under the FMD uh, and the market and the uh, MAP programs, so market development programs funded by FAS or the part of the USDA. And we do the international marketing activities using checkoff funding and the matching funding that comes from FAS with those industry dollars. Well, Jim, let's talk about how that you interconnect with the Foreign Ag Service. Uh, do they work in conjunction with you in the uh, importing countries to uh, facilitate getting our shipments to them? They certainly do, and they're an integral part of the network that we work with. And, I, and I, when I think of the network, I think of the industry here in the U.S., the international buyers around the world, and then where FAS comes in is they have ag attaches stationed in many, many countries around the world. Recently, we celebrated the 30th, 30th anniversary of U.S. soy farmers' investment in China, talking about marketing soybeans to China for 30 years. The interaction that we've had there with the industry has many times been done hand-in-hand hand with the FAS people, both the, uh, the ag attaches and, and governmental officials that they may introduce us to. While I was there for those celebrations and meetings, we had meetings put together by FAS where they brought together representatives from the Chinese government and our grower groups that were there and talked about food security, food safety, sustainability, some of the key platforms that we're trying to build the relationship between China and the U.S., on and and really, it's the FAS people that oftentimes bring a policy or an entree to government people. And just like I, so I gave the example of China, but there are FAS people around the world that we interact with. Uh, yesterday, I was on a telephone call or interacted with people in Europe from FAS. Recently, interacted with people from Colombia with FAS. 
So they really are a part of our eyes and ears on the ground, and really kind of the eyes and ears with, with the special link to what's going on from a government or policy perspective, whereas the people that USEC has in those countries or the, uh, the historic ASA representatives in the countries, they would be more connected to the commercial side of the marketplace in the countries. Could you give me an overview of this MAP program? Well, there are really two main funding programs that uh, the, US, the USDA has for international marketing exports. They have the Foreign Market Development Program and the, uh, and the MAP program, the Market Access Program. And they are uh, similar in that they're both uh, designed to try and build long-term market access to help us have a presence in countries, to help us get um, educational work done, promotional work done, and also to help us bring international buyers to the U.S. to participate in seminars or educational activities or even things like taking them to visit farms. We've had uh, many international buyers that we have used FMD or MAP funding to bring them to actually see how the crop is grown, which can be a great marketing tool for us, actually. And as I had stated a little bit earlier, but just to clarify, um, we apply for those funds on an annual basis. We submit an application to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, to the Foreign Agricultural Service. Uh, the application is called a Unified Export Strategy, and it is a very detailed, uh, thorough document that gives an assessment of the international markets, each country that we propose to operate in, the structure that we have. And then it calls out specific uh, strategies and activities that we propose to conduct in the following uh, market year in those particular countries. As a part of that UES, or Unified Export Strategy, we promise that we have industry funding and that can come from the national checkoffs, state checkoffs, or industry dollars. And we will leverage that using the funding we get from either the FND or the MAP program. So if we have $100 of industry funding from the checkoffs or the industry, we may uh, receive a grant of you know, $50 or $70 of FMD or MAP funding that we can then grow our program with and use to have a, a larger overall presence or activity in the countries where we operate. Jim, let's talk about the countries out there that may have barriers that limit uh, imports of U.S. soybeans. Do they still exist? Oh, I think they, they do, Ken, unfortunately. Um, you know, we continue to hear discussion about... Um, uh, things to do with biotech issues, largely those are sort of going away, but in some places they continue to be issues. Um, so we have done uh, lots of educational work over the years on those, and, and hopefully those will continue to, uh, to, 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 to go away, but there's something we have to continually pay attention to. A new issue that's coming onto the radar screen, particularly in Europe these days, is the whole notion of sustainability. People want to know are the soybeans that we are importing from the U.S. grown in a sustainable way? We believe that the U.S. has an extremely sustainable uh, system, um, and it is you know, not one that has just been developed here recently, but has been developed over time, is monitored and, uh, and certified by 
things that every grower in the U.S. needs to do to be a part of the farm bill, the farm program, and the uh, the conservation practices that they use on their farms and the many other programs we have in this country. But sustainability is an issue that we are having to uh, to overcome. And then there are, of course, just the other natural sort of uh, the, the natural competitive trade barriers, where in some countries they grow rapeseed or they grow other sort of crops, and there's the natural competition that we have to overcome. Jim, the modern era, as I see it, of soybeans started in the 1970s, and uh, the high demand from Japan at the time, compared to supply, uh, wound up bringing Brazil into the market being a producer. Now it appears to me we're at another one of those points that we have more demand than there is supply around the world, and I'm wondering what is next as far as countries increasing their production of soybeans, uh, along with South America. Uh, you can comment on that, but are there other areas of the world that well could start growing soybeans because of the potential profitability? Well, you bring up a good question and something that we look at regularly and kind of, kind of watch where the uh, new competitive spots will be. Certainly, we would expect with prices where they are that uh, as many acres as practical will be put into soybean production in Brazil, Argentina, and other South American countries this coming year. Other places where we may see some of that starting to happen are the Ukraine. We see uh, some soybean production uh, taking place there. I hear a lot of discussion about Africa and people talking about um, investments by various uh, groups. Uh, some people talk about investments by Chinese investors or by Chinese companies in Africa with the specific purpose of growing soybeans. I can't really give you any details on that. I suppose there are areas where that is possible. Um, but those would be, you know, South America is, is the sweet spot where they already have systems and they know how to grow soybeans, and I'm sure they are uh, be ramping up. But otherwise, uh, former uh, East, Eastern Europe uh, would be a place where that would be done. Otherwise, a couple of places where there are already quite a few soybeans grown uh, and some talk of increases would be China. You know, oddly enough, China, you know, being the world's biggest importer now, is also the uh, fourth largest producer of soybeans. So there's some talk that they will be producing more soybeans of their own. I personally think they will continue to focus on producing corn and look to be importing the soybeans, so don't look for big increases there. Another country being India. Uh, where they produce, uh, they're probably the fifth largest producer of soybeans in the world, uh, and they're and are continuing to. They export a little bit of their soy production. Mainly, they use it domestically, uh, and I think they have enough other crops that they will continue to focus on. I don't look for them to grow their own production too much. With the tight supplies we have and this insatiable appetite that China has. Do you have any concern that there could be some type of an effort in this country to slow down our exports and to, you know, not all the way to an embargo perhaps, but definitely cause it to where that the American users of soybeans might get an advantage because we could uh, keep from selling so many soybeans into the world market? Ken, I certainly hope we would not see anything like that. I think uh, we still are suffering a bit from uh, when that happened the last time, and it's been uh, 40 years ago since that happened, I guess a little over 40 years. You know, the, wor the world markets have an amazing way of solving these situations. 
there is a big price discrepancy between old crop soybeans or, or first half of the new crop soybeans and the second half of the crop year, the market is going to work very hard to pull the whole, as much of the crop as possible into the first half of the year, make it available to the marketplace. The second half of the year, I expect South America, we just talked about them uh, planting large number of acres. I expect they'll have big uh, production in South America uh, in uh, 2013. So I think that the U.S. will have adequate supplies for the world and for our domestic markets. We'll probably try to fit our normal uh, exports for the year into a much more condensed period than usual, taxing export capacity and taxing logistical capability, all those kind of things. But I would certainly hope that um, we'll allow the markets to work rather than trying to put any sort of a governmental effort in place to uh, to, to, to stymie exports. Because one of the things we advertise to our world buyers and talk about the U.S. as having an advantage in terms of our reliability, our consistency in terms of being a regular supplier to the world market. And uh, this past year, 57% of the crop was exported. We expect that that will continue to grow uh, to almost two-thirds of the crop by 2020. And I think as we have that large of a share of our production going to export markets, it is so vitally important that the world recognizes us as a consistent supplier and not one that would just shut off uh, exports to protect their domestic market. Jim Sutter, thank you very much for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. My pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Ken. That's Jim Sutter, the CEO of the U.S. Soybean Export Council. It is the international marketing arm of the U.S. soybean industry. Thank you for listening to AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. I'm Ken Root.